this podcast is all about shining light on the real struggles and joys of life. We will have real experiences, real people, and real stories in the hopes that they motivate you and help you in your own journey. This is the One World Countless Stories podcast with Selena Novello. Today, I have Jeff Wilson on, and if you hear me call him Mr. Jeff, it's because I have known him since I was really, really young, and I don't know why, but back in the day, we would just call all the parents in our lives by Mr. or Mrs. in their first name, so if I call him Mr. Jeff, that's where that's coming from, Um, but I'm very excited to have you on today. I know a very little part about your story and little bites and bits of it, but I'm excited to hear a little bit more, so let's get started. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us anything that you feel is important for us to know about you. Well, Selena, thanks for the invite here today. I appreciate what you're doing and uh, positive stories that you are encouraging through this type of podcast, but also for uplifting the things that you do for others within the community. I think it's uh, I think it's one of the parts of the story we're going to touch on today, how we, we've lost a little bit of our humanity with, with within our society today, but I'll probably get into that a little bit more in depth. But as for me, I've lived in Cochrane for about 15 years uh, with my wife, Stephanie, and our children, Sydney and Zachary. Uh, I'm currently a sergeant in the Calgary Police Service, and uh, I love my career. And uh, those I serve both professionally and those other members that uh, belong to CPS. Awesome. So why don't we start with your childhood and you can tell us a little bit about where you were raised and your childhood. Awesome. Yeah. I was uh, raised in Medicine Hat. And uh, when I think back to the 70s and 80s in life as a kid I, I, and watching my kids grow up, I, I think I think our lives were much simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there wasn't this the huge computer or social media that really didn't the, the computer side of things didn't start hitting until I was like in basically grade nine, 10, 11 and 12 when it kind of started taking off. And I think because of that, computers have taken on a substantial amount of our kids' times and, and, and made life, like I said, a lot more complicated. Um, I think kids, as opposed to when I was a kid, were exposed for way too much um, at any time in our history. Uh, but for me, I spent my childhood outside riding my BMX bike on the, at the dead end and going over, you know, falling down and hurting myself and coming back home crying and being told basically that okay, well, nothing's broken, you know, <laughs> put a yeah. bandaid on it and get back. Yeah. Out. You know, street hockey was big. Um, I remember, especially as a kid, every Saturday afternoon, we get our $5 allowance and I'd go to Woolworths. I would go buy a little hot rods car for a, like a buck, go upstairs <laughs> to the cafeteria, get fries, gravy and a Coke, and then still have enough money to go to a movie at the, town, at the town theater. You're kidding me. No, all for five bucks. And, and wow. I, I, I spent all my, I was broke before five o'clock Saturday afternoon. So <laughs> but like I said, that, that was my Saturday afternoon besides the exception of playing hockey and whatnot. So my childhood in Medicine Hat was phenomenal. I, I don't have any issue. I, I really missed my childhood looking at how we are today. Mm-hmm. My childhood was awesome. And you said you played hockey. Did you play on a team as well or just more uh, like street hockey and just fooling around a bit? No, played played with played on a team, but the difference between then and now is that our hockey rinks, you know, we were out outside with a roof, okay. and and then and then the change rooms were in a in a building all to, unto itself, very small with a small concession, 
but uh, we didn't have plexiglass on the edge of the ices. We had, had like chain link fence. Huh. So it was much different. Again, no, you know, we didn't really have NHL aspirations because really we weren't exposed to that stuff. We played because we just, we loved getting out and playing. Our practices would be at six o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget down from my, the Moose Rec Center. And, <laughs> You're kidding. It was actually called that. Yeah. The Moose Recreation <laughs> Center. And it would be at, our practices on Sunday morning would be at 6 a.m. And, and the facility person would never show up. So we'd always, one of our coaches would always have to break in <laughs> to get in. Every time we'd have to break in every Sunday morning. Not me, but the, the coach would break into the building to get in so we could get changed. That's awesome. Such a good memory. And so moving into your life a little bit, how was high school for you? I think like most, I think uh, school for some of us is difficult. Um, mm -hmm. I, I didn't love the content of school. I love mm -hmm. the social aspect of school. I had lots mm -hmm. of friends, played football, played baseball. Um, but it just wasn't, uh, school came... I, I didn't, I struggled in school. Let's just call it that. I, I, but I enjoy the, I cheated, you know, I, you know, my French teacher was a uh, shop teacher and, you know, we did some really silly things. He'd leave the classroom or we'd go in at lunch and we'd change our marks in his mark book. And I don't know if I should be telling you that. or. Oh my gosh, book. you were a rebel a little bit. But uh, we'd erase the mark and put, put another mark in there just so we knew, well, he, he, he shouldn't have been teaching French. He didn't, we weren't learning anything. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to fail, you know, from, from, from somebody who couldn't even teach the, uh, teach the uh, subject. So right. a couple of us would go in and <laughs> I don't know if, if, if that particular teacher, I won't say a name is ever listening to this, but I did make it, I did make it after all I, I got through. So <laughs> that's good. So you graduated and then what happened after that? Um, well, I, I moved around a lot. Uh, in my heart, I was truly an entrepreneur, uh, but I didn't want to say I never left Medicine Hat. Um, so I, I went on a ski trip with my three buddies after graduation and we came home and I made a decision. My parents were away in New York and I made a decision to move to Toronto the morning after we got back. Oh, so I packed a couple of suitcases. Uh, my aunt had a, uh, business down there, which she'd already always offered me a job and I had an open ticket for whenever I wanted to go. So I took advantage of that and I moved down there mm -hmm. and I worked for her. I'll never forget when I got down there, I, uh, I met my parents at their hotel because they were arriving the same day I arrived and, and I opened the hotel doors for them because I was waiting in the lobby for them to let them know that I had moved. Mm -hmm. And uh, my, my mom and dad walked right by me. Oh, thank you very much for holding the door, sir. And I, they walk in and then my dad stops and takes a look goes what are you doing here so I told them I, I moved and I didn't want to I think I think we put too much thought in a lot of things and I'm, I've always been very spontaneous um, mm -hmm. after Toronto I lived there for about six months I went to all the Maple Leaf games the scalper that uh, that I got the tickets from by the end of the year just gave me the tickets for for cost because I got the same seat in the old Maple Leaf Gardens at that so I got to experience the old Maple Leaf Gardens which you can't you can't replicate that environment even in today's uh, day and age. Um, then I moved to Thunder Bay. Um, and uh, I had my best friends who lived in Medicine Hat and moved there a couple of years prior to that. And they were, they were close friends. Their mom and their parents were basically my second parents. And mm -hmm. I lived there for a while. But uh, Thunder Bay, I, I just started to realize, eh, maybe this isn't for me. 
So I moved home, uh, started with Earl's Restaurants, and we could get into a whole, all the places I lived uh, working for them. But uh, wonderful experience with them. And uh, they gave me uh, nine years of uh, incredible education when it came to the restaurant um, side of things, which inevitably I opened my own after that. That's awesome. So what did you want to be when you grew up? Because it sounds like you had an entrepreneurial spirit, like you said, but you kind of bounced around and did a bunch of different jobs. I guess, I guess my number, I guess I really wanted to be a police officer at 19. Yeah. 19. I applied to the RCMP. Um, and I'll never forget. I was working at Earl's that day and my mom called and, and an orange envelope from the RCMP had arrived. So in that I, I had failed the, the eye test by like, the margin of error between a couple of doctors. Um, and that, that was because I think that's where our diversity in, in that organization, uh, it started to, wasn't as diverse as what Canada was starting to look like. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of debate was given in that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I always wanted to be a police officer. I, I don't know why that is. It, it was just always part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. Although it took a number of years after uh, the restaurant industry and being in that industry for over 20 years, at 35 years old, I got into the Calgary Police Service. And as of next week, I'm 15 years complete. It was really difficult when you haven't been in school since you were seven, 18 years old. And you're, you're now, you know, have to go through rigmarole. And you know what the toughest part was? The, the disclosure form. And going through 57 pages of your life and trying to go back and all the silly, stupid things that, that we do as kids. And you know, not harmful, but, you know, you, you get some time to reflect on your life and go, I wasn't a bad kid, but boy, did I do some stupid things. And yeah. uh, those are the lessons you try to instill in your kids not to have to have to reflect back on those. But at the end of the day, it made me the person who I am today. And mm-hmm. I think I'm a, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. I'm not perfect, but, uh, you know, I think I think uh, life has taught me well. Absolutely. And so in that, when you were in the time of your life, when you were in the restaurant industry, what did you do? I started at the ground with Earl's and uh, okay. I did every position in Earl's uh, from server, dishwasher, line cook, prep cook, assistant, uh, day manager, day managers. You know, I, I went, I did everything. Um, and then I tested my own skill set by moving to another company called Gulliver's Grill when I was troubleshooting in Earl's in Grand Prairie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started with Gulliver's Grill and it really honed my skill set. And, and from there, I decided that I wanted to branch out on my own. And we opened our first uh, restaurant there. It was actually a sports pub called the Stump and Pump Sports Pub and Grill. And uh, it was a, one of the best things I ever got to do because it was from scratch and yeah. I got to build it from a it's an old restaurant in there before but I got to design a lot of work though it, it it's it, it's tough work when you all of a sudden doing it yourself you realize why organizations you know it's so hard to get and be successful and, and grow yeah that's crazy so did you start it by yourself that restaurant or pub uh, yeah, I had to build a business case, which I'd never done before, but I built one and I, I there's a couple of regular customers that I, I knew had a little bit of dough <laughs> and I approached them with my, with my proposal and, and, you know, they didn't buy so much in the concept, but they bought into me because, because yeah. uh, I think, well, they knew they could believe it, that I was a hard worker and, and uh, you know, they, they trusted me to get their investment back. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, was, it was a very unique experience to get that kind of support from people you kind of know, 
but you certainly, uh, I worked probably harder than I ever did because I certainly don't want to let people down. So it was a financial risk, but a rewarding all the same. Wow. So what would you say the biggest thing you learned from being in the service industry? That it's a people-based business. And I think I'll take my experience from way back then. And I had some incredible people work for me when I have time to reflect uh, on my time way back. And I can't always say I treated them right in, in the sense of I was the boss and they worked for me. Um, in my policing career, I, I, I don't take that attitude anymore. I'm very much um, if you work for me, I think we have, a, we have more of a problem of, of employee boss relationship. And I don't like that. So mm-hmm. if you work with me, it's a shared leadership responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, that's really has been the defining moment for me is understanding that industries I've worked in are people-based. And as soon as we forget that they're people-based, that's when you start getting lost in the, in the minutia of, of crap and like anybody that wants to be called the boss, I, I think, I think they lose right up front. And that's just my experience. I, I think you have to give those pe- people that you've taken the time to hire and train and develop the latitude in which to grow and make mistakes and, and, and talk about those mistakes without being overly critical. And so they understand that there's, there's room to grow without, uh, I don't know everything. And, uh, but I, I certainly, like to learn from other people, especially those that are new and especially into my career, because they all come from different backgrounds. Absolutely. So what was that shift? What made you switch your mindset about I am the boss to we are working on this together? I guess your feedback from people. And I think you and and I think over time, and I hate to use that this adage of as you get older, you get more mature and you, you understand more and the things that used to really bother you don't. Because there are things that you, they're not worth your time to over obsess about because we all make mistakes. Everybody's journey is different. But, but I guess in my own life with my own family, my wife and kids, um, um, I, I think we all have our dynamics and, and I think kids can teach you a lot. And I think they, uh, you know, if you can create that loving home and supportive home, I think you, you can get that honest feedback even when you don't want it. You'll, you'll, mm-hmm honestly get it back. And I think that gives you time to reflect. Yeah. So you started your own restaurant or pub, whatever we're going to call that. And that must have been very exciting for you. What was that like as a young man to have all of this pressure, but also opportunity at your fingertips? Uh, I, I would have to say that's probably the most stressful I've been in my life. Um, right down to the part, I, I was having heart palpitations. So I had to carry this portable heart monitor because there's just so much pressure and people are relying on you. And, 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 but I look back, it gave me the opportunity and the foundation to, to get out of that one, sell it and, and move to Brandon, Manitoba and open another restaurant there called Calhoun's classic grill. And it was a lot easier. Um, I, I don't ever like when I, I don't like relying on other people for things. I really don't. I, I know parts of my times in my life I've had to, and uh, but it's, it, it's, it's not something I've ever relished uh, of relying on other people. Even this job, I, I don't rely like relying on the city of Calgary to give, give me my paycheck, although I very much appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, all that has led to me having an Airbnb in my own residence today that's very successful. And 
and because I, I never lost that entrepreneurial spirit. And I, and I, at some point I still want to make it on my own. Uh, mm. but, uh, I certainly won't give up the pension to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really fascinating. I did not know that about you, that you had such an entrepreneurial drive in you. And what I love about what you said is that you kind of just went with all, you went with the flow a bit where you, you sold that restaurant, then you started a new one and you've just kind of been going along with it. And so why did you have to, you know, or no, how do I want to word this? Sorry. Um, how did you overcome those like health issues that you were having and the stress that you were dealing with? How'd you, how'd you deal with those things? I don't think you ever, as an entrepreneur, you, 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 you work the 18 to 20 hours a day. You work seven days a week. Um, you know, uh, you, you just do. Uh, it's, there's worse things in the world to be doing, but uh, you know, you certainly don't want to let people down. Mm-hmm. And you want your staff to get days off and, and your, your investors get their money back and there's catering, there's entertainment bookings. There was, there's, I, I used to fall asleep in the booth during the Christmas season because at my restaurant in Brandon, we had yuck yucks for three weeks straight that was sold out every night. Wow. We'd bring in the high school to do their band performances. We do bring a grand piano, baby grand pianos for Valentine's day. We give away hot tubs, uh, you know, you're always trying to keep up with um, the chains and you, you had to establish yourself as being that much different, but having great food. And I'll go back. Earl's gave me the education. You know, when we talk about not going to school and doing all those things, mm-hmm. that organization did a lot for me. And, and I appreciate them and that for what they did for me. They, they, it was a good growing up experience there, too. That's awesome. And I like that point. Yeah. When you're an entrepreneur, you're going to work so hard to make sure that all those things are done. And it's, it's crazy when you total up all the hours that you probably spent working. So I definitely know what you're talking about. So when did you get into the Calgary police department? 2007. Um, I I finally had enough of the restaurant industry. I just, I burned out. Um, Mm -hmm. I was headhunted by a by a couple companies in Calgary and I came for some interviews and I basically had job offers from both and I, uh, but a weekend to one of them, I just knew I was done. And uh, my wife was still in Brandon and she sent me the disclosure form a couple weeks before that. Cause she knew I was frustrated. And uh, so I filled it out. And from the day I filled it out and sent it in, like it took a few days, but I sent it in on November 27th, which was my son's birthday. Mm-hmm. It was his fourth birthday. And in three months, I was in classes on February 27th. I was in, it only took me three months to get it all done and go through the whole entire process, which was quite quick. And, uh, and you know, it, it, there's some testing that you go through and I just had to get through the first part of the, the test. And I, once I got through the written part and uh, the comprehension part, uh, I, knew I, ha- I, I knew I would have it, but it was just a matter of 35 years old settling in and getting ready for what was coming because it, it's hard when you're, start getting a little bit older and running and weightlifting and the brain and criminal code classes and provincial law classes and mm-hmm. drill. It's, it's very, it's a lot, but uh, yeah, it's been, it, it was very impactful in my life and uh, I have no regrets. That's awesome. So by that point, you already had a daughter and a son. So when did you meet Stephanie, your wife and that whole journey? I moved back to medicine after being in, in Thunder Bay But I also wasn't done moving around because Earl's gave me the opportunity to live in Edmonton, Mm -hmm. um, Calgary, uh, back to Medicine Hat. And I I decided to go back to 
school. And I, cause I actually, at that point in time, uh, I wanted to be a player agent because I knew, oh. I knew that you could see contracts were going up and I love sports. And I thought, where, where would it fit for me be? So I moved back to Medicine Hat. I got a job back at the Earls there. And, and I went out. Oh, actually, no, I was stuccoing. I was doing stucco. That's right. That's where your dad and I can get, have some good conversations. I got on with Olson Plaster and stucco in Medicine Hat and Dave Olson. I, I think the world of that guy, he really uh, made us work hard, but we were young and stupid, but uh, he, was, he was an <laughs> awesome boss um, and owner actually. Uh, so I, it was a day Friday night and I got really tired. I was really tired because it was so hot in medicine. I was plus 35 all the time in the summer. Wow. And a couple of my buddies said, let's go out tonight. I said, nah, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm staying home. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to go out that night and I met Steph at, you know, at the bar that night and I went home, she went home and we went out for lunch the next day. And, and funny thing, we went to Earl's on the patio to have lunch. And, and I was 27 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I was drinking my iced tea and I asked her what her age was because I seriously thought she was 25. I'm not even just, I'm not joking. I did. And she told me she was 19. So I'm drinking my iced tea and under my breath, I'm going, well, this is done. This is not going to work because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a bar. I'm out of the bar scene. I'm done. Yeah. And uh, I guess 25 years later, uh, this year, 22 years married and 25 years and two kids later and a few moves, uh, this is where we are. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's such a cute story. I love that. I can't believe the age difference. That's crazy. Not bad. Now, now it doesn't seem so bad. She's 43 and 52. It doesn't seem so bad. Not so bad at all. That's awesome. So when did you guys have your first daughter? Uh, June 16th, 1998. So that would have been a, just a little bit before a year after we met. (laughs) Okay. Wow. We were early. Were you married yet or no? No, no. we waited a couple of years because, you know, we wanted to make sure it was going to work. Uh, yeah. I, you know, my parents were very old fashioned, like when you get married and nah, not yet, mm-hmm. but uh, we had to work a lot of things through and, and we've done that. It's been a, it's been a journey though. I mean, like every relationship, there's ups and there's downs, there's twists and turns and, and, uh, but you know, you create that partnership and, and you make some good decisions and learn from the bad ones. So mm-hmm. What would be your number one piece of advice in with, with just in the relationships in general? Understand that as you get older and you grow and the things that you've done in your life, you both change and kids get involved and you kind of lose yourselves. You kind of lose who you were and why you got together and, 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 you know, different things become your commonality. And, and I think you have to really remember not to lose yourself or that that partnership um and 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 you have to find the date nights you have to find the holidays you 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 have to find the time to go away you you have to make time for yourselves i I, there's no question i think society today is polarizing there's lots of things going on and and uh i i think that's that would be my advice selena i think i think Mm -hmm be honest with one another and know that there's going to be challenges. I think that's a great piece of advice. Honestly, I think it's really important that we acknowledge that, you know, people will grow in different ways, but to just make time to remember who you are and who you are as a couple too. Critical. I think, I think, and to that though, I think people sometimes take an easy way out and, and don't work through it. And I, and I think at some point in time, if it doesn't, then, then people move on. But I, I think, 
if you can't leave a relationship as friends, and I know there's dynamics at play for a lot of different people. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I don't think after you've had kids and the journeys that you've been on that you, you, you vilify the other person to a point where you start fighting over silly things. And I, I get that for my job. I, I watch people basically destroy their financial ability because they're so mad at the other person instead of understanding it just didn't work out, you know, and it's okay. It is. It's okay. Yeah, totally. And so your first child was a daughter. What was that like for you? Um, yeah, don't make me tear up here. I, cause I go back and, uh, those are always emotional moments. Those are um, with your kids and, and, and seeing what your spouse has to go through to, to successfully uh, do that. But I've got two amazing kids. I, um, yeah, I love them dearly. I'm going to, I'm going to tear up here. So I don't, I don't <laughs> want to talk too much about them. It's I, okay. I, I, I appreciate both of them and the people that they're turning out to be. So they're very, very great young adults, great kids. Stuff. I love them. That's awesome. So let's go back into the part of your story where I think you said your son was four and you were doing your training and getting into the police industry. Um, so what, what happened next? Bring us through that whole journey. Oh, it's policing a, is a wonderful uh, 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 career. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's a tough job. We, you know, uh, the, the journey 15 years later, um, you got a lot of battle scars mentally. Um, mm-hmm. You try not to bring a lot of things home because you, you deal and see, see a lot of things that I, I, you could never let the general public know. I know they, some people hate police or dislike us, but uh, make no mistake about it. We're members of our communities and we have kids involved in a lot of things and mm-hmm. we're still the ones that are first into uh, something that's dangerous. And we're the first ones in when some, some families are going through the worst moments of their life. And I can tell you, I've been to, I got goosebumps on my spine just talking about it because I, there's, there's some tough things that we have to see and tough things that we have to deal with. But uh, I wouldn't change the career. I've encouraged my, my daughter to get into it and my son. And I, I think it's much as those battle scars are tough. Um, it's still a rewarding career because you get to help people. And I know that's very generic statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we, we get to help people, and I and if there's a message, don't hate the cops. We're not we're not bad. You know, we have our bottom ten percent, like every other organization, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we work really hard at what we do, and and make no mistake about it. When we're racing to a call that someone's in need of bat, some major assistance, mm-hmm. we're the ones that uh, that put ourselves in front of in front of in front of people to def- to help defend them. So. Mm, absolutely and how do you deal with those very strong mental issues and mental things that come up just have a you just have to have an out um and then through the years that changes you have to have a my mine is my drive i got a 40 minute drive home so i get to decompress and there's times i come home and my kids will tell you my wife will tell you that i'll sometimes i'll just say i need 15 minutes or 20 minutes i'll go up to my room and i'll close the door and and, and cause I'm not done decompressing cause there's sometimes there's some calls that you go to that, that are troubling and you can't really share those. You share those. And that's why the team, the teams within the organization that we work are so important because we keep a lot of stuff out of our family view. Um, and, but we rely on our folks that we work with to be those shoulders and, and that family at work that uh, you're not replacing your family at home, but you certainly know what everyone, each one of you are going through. 
Mm -hmm. And would you say there's something else, a part of that career that's very difficult? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the generation, generational issues of, of new members coming in. Uh, you start being a more senior guy around and, and uh, having your teams and you see some of the younger people that uh, maybe don't quite understand how hard the job is yet. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and I, I think, I think members forget now why they join the job so early in the sense of you got to work the street to earn your, to earn the respect and the time and understanding of why you're there. If you get into policing in two years and think you deserve to go to a specialty unit like Hawks or canine or TAC or investigative unit, you know, that that's that. In fact, I talked to somebody today um, at a funeral for a fallen member or member child uh, died. And uh, we were talking about, and I hate to use the word entitlement, but there is a different police officer that's coming in that earn your time, earn, earn the right to, 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 to say things that, uh, you know, that over you'll be able to have the knowledge in, in which to successfully participate in a, in a conversation that you'll understand better. I just, I just think people have to do their time on the street. And I tell my kids the same thing. Don't look at anything for five to seven years. Earn, earn your way. Everything is earned. Nothing is given. That's what I always tell my kids. Everything is earned. And if you expect something to be given, then give your head a shake because it's not coming. Mm -hmm. And what would you say the best part about your career is? Well, I guess I'm going to take the, well, one, I'm going to internally, like the work that I get to do is, is very rewarding because you get to, you get to help people, mm -hmm. but from a personal standpoint, financial stability, it's given us a nice house, nice holidays. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to give some back to charity um, mm -hmm. and, and, and stuff like that. It, it gives, it gives uh, stability in, in a very volatile society, I mm -hmm. guess. That's from a personal and selfish standpoint. It's yeah. given me the ability to uh, go. I'm taking my degree right now. I'm in university at 52 years old and taking my degree. And and uh, I didn't think I'd ever go back to school. Um, again, it's very difficult to, to balance because it's 15 to 18 hours a week for me outside of my full-time job. But, yeah. but I'm dedicated to that. And uh, I guess that's very rewarding because I'm taking my degree in policing. And it really is the here and now and the reforms in policing that are happening. And society is expecting police to be different. And we better, we better be ready to be different. There's things that police do, but there is expectations of 135 years of history within the Calgary Police Service, layers and layers of things that have gone on in the past that we need to really address, get out in front of, and mm -hmm. understand that they happened. Lots of things happened. But we all have to get back to the table. Everybody in society is on the left wing or right wing. And nobody wants to get to the table. The mm -hmm. only way things get accomplished at any point in history is when we got to the table. Yeah. And we're so divided and it's so divisive and it shouldn't be that way. We should all understand that to get something, we'll have, we're going to have to give a little bit up. So mm -hmm. that's my political stance there. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. And that kind of leaded me into one of the questions that I wanted to ask you on since you you have a very interesting perspective, in my opinion, because you've seen society at their most vulnerable, worst, and also some really great times as well. And so I'm curious how you think COVID affected the society. Was it negative? Was it positive? I kind of have a feeling I know what you're going to say a little bit, but I'd love to hear from your perspective. What do you think the biggest shift you've seen since COVID? how divisive we can get as a population okay. and how one person's opinion doesn't matter 
to the other person and vice versa. I, I think I think we've grown into a world, even our media, that we believe the 15 second meme that we have on our phones is 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 right. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, instead of researching, we don't research. Report everything's everything today. I guess what it really pointed out to me is that everything's about power and money. Everything is about power and money, and 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 I wish I didn't have to believe that yeah. or see that. But but I got to be honest with you. You know, you see what goes on in American politics. You see what's going on in our politics. And COVID really opened up the wounds that have always been there. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's death by a a, a million cuts. And the cut is the wound is deep now. And, and and unless we unless we get back to civility and understand we can be different. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm a conservative person, but I have grown to have liberal values. And I think people have liberal background can have conservative values. But we, we, we all have to find that we have to help people that are down and out sometimes. We we don't have to like it, but we have to. Yeah. You know, it's an expensive place to live now, as everyone will tell you. Um, and it's not easy, but we have to find civility. We live in democracies and it's okay to have opinions that are opposite of somebody else's, but I've, I've seen it. I think it's been very divisive and I think it's been very negative and it's unfortunate. I failed science. I'll tell if a million, if a million scientists tell me to go get vaccinated, I failed science. I'm not a scientist. I'm going to trust that that, but for me, that's the right way to go, but I'm not going to berate anybody that doesn't believe that either though. They have their belief system and I respect that. And why would we not respect that? That's why we have a democracy. Yeah. No, yeah. no right or wrong, good or bad and different, whatever to give something, to get something. And, and, but I, I, I've got really good friends that won't get vaccinated, but it really unfortunately gave us a, a look at how bad our society is or not bad, how negative it is right now. Yeah, I think it's broken for sure. And I definitely agree with you where we need to come together a little bit more and just accept and love a little bit more. And it can be very heartbreaking as someone, just a young person watching and just listening and hearing and observing people. I think for me, something that's been really hard is that I feel like I I don't know what to do. I don't know what I can do to support. And it's very interesting to hear um, your opinion on the matter. And just, it's, it's very refreshing in my opinion, because I've been hearing that very divided side where it's one way or another, you have to do this or you're no good. Or if you do this, then you're great. Like, it's just like such a divided world. And so what do you think for the younger generations that are being brought up in this division? What do you think the long-term effects of it is going to be? Um, fix it. Okay. Your responsibility. The torch will get passed at some point. But, but yeah, listen, I, I'll tell you how, what I, I summed it up watching the Super Bowl the other last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and a particular show came on, a reality show. And I looked at the reality show and, and I, you know, the one, one girl says, oh, I can't wait to get in that house so I can st- backstab. I can't wait to backstab the next person. Or I can't wait to, to me in, the, in a 30-second commercial, that is what's wrong with society. We believe in people that don't, that, that are just doing it for, for, for the glorification of recognize me my my 12 hours of fame i want millions of dollars to do it i instead of just getting to know your neighbors getting to know people i I, we we just what's in it for me i think is the problem with society everyone what's in it for me well 
a nice, a good society, a good place to live. That's what's in it for you. Great communities. Mm-hmm. And we, we just have gone off the deep end with this stuff and our youth. They, and I'm not, I'm not going to say a broad stroke. I'm not, cause I'm not going to say everybody cause I've met some really good kids. But what I would say is that they, they have the opportunity to make it right. They have the opportunity to fix it. And don't, don't believe in the 15 second meme research mm-hmm. what you want to believe. If you can back it up with proper research pro and con, then you'll be, then you'll be educated in things, but don't just believe other people because you think they're smarter than you are. Yeah. Research it. That's so powerful. I love that. Thank you for saying that and sharing that perspective with all of us. And this leads really nicely into my next question of if you had to create one law for everyone to follow, what would that be? Ooh, I don't know if you could come up with one. Okay. Well, your favorite, your top one, let's say you had like 15, maybe your favorite one. You can't hate anybody. You're not allowed to hate. You can, you can dislike, mm-hmm. but my dad always taught me that. Cause sometimes I come home and I was say, I hate that person. My dad, my dad was a religious man and he was a, he was, he was a, such a soft guy. And he always said, you can't hate. Hate is so bad. You know, that's when we start being divisive. You can dislike something that somebody does, but mm-hmm. to say you hate them, if I could create one law, you're not allowed to hate anybody. You can dislike, but you can't hate. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. I love that. That's so fascinating. I love that answer. Thank you so much for opening up about all of that. And I want to switch a little bit into more about your personal life versus your career. And I want to ask you, what is something in your personal life that was very life altering that was like maybe one of your biggest obstacles or something that you weren't expecting to have as a challenge in your life? I wouldn't call it a challenge, but the biggest selfish thing is that I was adopted, uh, Selena, at birth. And uh, I always felt it important to find my biological family. And, uh, and, not, and I had a great upbringing. I, I, you know, I've, I have one brother and three sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but I had a great, very diverse understanding, very political family, musical, into music. I was adopted. I was the odd kid because I wanted to play sports. But I still had to do cello, clarinet, violin, ballet, uh, you know. You did ballet? Briefly. I cried. I actually cried my way out of that one. Okay. But my parents, I had to learn balance before I was allowed to play hockey, but I was able to cry my way out of that. Okay. Uh, so I found my biological parents uh, three years ago, four years ago. So I guess from a uh, just a life altering is it's I've got a wonderful relationship with them. Um, in fact, I'm going to Florida to see them um, in two weeks. Uh, they're they're wonderful people uh, and and my my mom because my dad's passed on but my mom and sisters met them and and that was you know a very good uh, uh introduction and uh not to beat it but it, yeah it was a wonderful opportunity to uh close that loop of where do i fit in the world i think and and i was lucky and wasn't one of the lucky ones that that uh had a had a mom who gave me a name at birth and, uh, and, and, you know, she, she loves me as if I was in her life for whole, the whole time. Mm-hmm. And did you always know that you were adopted or when did you know yeah. you knew my, my whole life? And, and uh, I know my dad never really wanted to tell me, but my, my mom was very open to it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the fact that they ended up being open about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I remember when I first was trying to get my identifying records from the Alberta government, um, my mom was very supportive, but I needed my dad to understand that uh, I needed him to sign the document 
to, to let me go do it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to get emotional here because it was a really good conversation that I had with my dad. And it's one of the more serious ones as a young man that, that I got to have with him. And the one thing he always said is that I don't want to lose you as my son. And uh, yeah, I was his kid. So. And that was hard for him because he thought that he was going to lose you when you yep. found your other parents. And mm -hmm. I'm sure when you found your other parents, was your dad still alive at that time? No, no, but I would have loved him to have met. Mm -hmm. let's be it's my bio mom i didn't I, my bio dad I don't know but the the man that she's married to uh, could be my dad and i'd be he's a wonderful wonderful man and yeah. and i'm glad I've, I've got to build a relationship with, with him and how did this affect you as a child and throughout your life did you have different feelings of like something was missing or yeah. what were your feelings yeah exactly that there was always a because I was different than my siblings, not in a bad way. Just like I said, I like sports. I like different, you know, I like debate. I like, I like different things. Um, my, my family was very, that I grew up was very culturally minded. Um, and, and, and having diversity within our, who we are as in people was very important and, and obviously impactful for, for all of us. And it's helped us all in our lives. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my mom and dad in, in Medicine were were are, were awesome, and uh, and my my bio family in in Ontario slash Florida are, are fantastic. I got three half sisters out of that too. So oh wow, yeah. So your family grew a lot. And when did you when did you start this process of trying to find them? I guess I would have been 16, 16. and and it took me till I was forty. 47. And what did it for me is my wife and daughter and son bought me a dead ancestry DNA kit. Okay. And so I did the kit. And a couple months later, I got the results back. And then I got a, a, an email from a girl asking why I was on their family tree. And uh, that she was a cousin. And that's how we started the process of making sure that we we're going to go down the road. Because at the end of the day, I just wanted to get a message to my biological mother. Uh, worst case to let her know that the decision that she had made back then was the right one. And I have no ill will feelings towards her. I've got, I was brought up in a wonderful family. I have my own wife and, and, and incredible kids and, and my life is good. And, and I've got a good career and she didn't have to worry about me anymore. That that's kind of what my message was for mm -hmm. her. So. Yeah, that's, that's amazing that you really just wanted to put her at ease in finding her to just be like, it's okay, I'm okay. And what, why did it take so long to get there? Was there just like, it's really hard to find your parents or what, what was it's a long process? You know, you can, you, you, you know, you have to do a lot of digging on your own. I, I went as far when I was younger, when I first started the process to get a second job to hire a private investigation company to help me. Um, but then you start having kids of your own and things get expensive. And I, I put it to the side for a while, but then when I, I didn't get my, uh, I got my non-identifying information, but a few years after that, I was married and the government, we were allowed to get our identifying information as long as your biological parent didn't restrict that. So I was married at the time when I got the identifying information and I'll never forget when I got it, we were living in Brandon um, I think Sid was born. I don't know if Zach was born yet, but, but uh, I'll never forget. I, I, I opened it, all my identifying information. And in there was a small letter from her. 
And it was the most emotional moment of my life in a very selfish, selfish way. Because at that point, I knew how much she cared for me in, in that half a page letter and why she did it. And uh, that's why I wasn't scared to, to let her know that I was, I was good and the decision she made. But I, just from that letter, she, she would have worried about me her whole life and talking to her, obviously, and being very engaged with them. And um, she, she was extremely worried. February 1st is a date she, she's never forgotten. So. And why was that so emotional for you? Because um, it closes a loop. You, you talk about, was there a, a, something missing in your psyche or your soul or your heart? I, I don't know, but it certainly fulfilled whatever was missing. Um, there were, I wasn't a question mark anymore, uh, I guess. I existed and I was happy and I had all these great opportunities. And I, But there's always that personal, um, there's just something in your inner being that you, you needed to get to, to, to close the loop. Mm-hmm. And so when was the first time you met her? Um, we went, we flew to uh, Waterloo um, and we, I booked them a hotel room at the, the Delta and we booked a hotel room. And, and uh, so we got there a little bit earlier than they did and we were in a room, then there was a knock at the door and my wife opened the door and, and uh, June came walking right in and just forty. Uh, uh, 40- 47 year old hug in the making um, for about five minutes. She wouldn't let go of me. So, yeah. And what, what was that like for you to get that hug there? That's a very emotional moment. Again, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been able to be surrounded by people that know how to be affectionate and, and show their love to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 myself probably, I'm not the best at it. Unfortunately, I, I just, uh, um, you know, my mom in medicine, gave me my, they get, she gets, my parents gave us two things. Our mom gave us our outer battle shell ready to do battle. And our dad gave us our heart. And then, so we had the best of both worlds in that we knew how to defend and we also knew how to love. And I'm more of a defender. And unfortunately for, for my wife and kids, they, they don't always see the, the, uh, the big hugs and stuff, but they know when they get them, they're meaningful and uh, they're heartfelt. That's so, that's so awesome. I'm so happy for you that you were able to find your mom and also you got new additions to the family. So can you tell us a little bit about who else was in that picture? I've got three half sisters, uh, two live in Ontario. One lives in England. Uh, I, I, and I haven't, I've met, uh, I met my half sister in England through Skype. Um, and, and they, they come from a different, different, walk of life and, and uh they've had their struggles mm-hmm. um, but uh they phone me lots and i'm the big brother that they always wish they had and they all tell me that and uh and, and my my bio my parents there um always talk about that it, they think that their lives would have been a lot simpler if i would have been around because after i was after my mom married this guy three months after she had me and they've been married for 52 years and wow. they actually tried to come back and if I, to see if I was still in the system to, to bring me back wow. because, because they didn't, they wanted to have me a part of their families. Wow. That's, that's very powerful right there. That is extraordinary. And have you met your sisters in person or just more over? Them. Oh yeah. yeah them. Oh yeah. A few times. In fact, uh, Erica was just here a month and a half ago for the first time. And I've been down there to Ontario a couple of times. 
um, well, three times, I guess. And so they've, they're starting to make their treks out here to see us. And, and uh, it's just a, a new relationship, a new, a new chapter, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it really is a wonderful experience. I, I, I'm, I am very lucky to, to, to have had that opportunity to, uh, you know, embrace them and welcome them into my life and, and my family's life. Absolutely. And what would you say the biggest thing you learned from that whole experience is? Journey, everyone's journey is tough, right? I mean, life is a journey. There are peaks and valleys. Sometimes you're, you know, things are upside down and at the same time they're inside out and you just don't know what the answers are, but you'll find them. And I guess, I guess the part of that message I want to push out there is, is that mental health and wellness of people and, and not getting too, too discouraged about things and know that there's places out there and people out there that'll, that'll listen and, and ensure that you have the right steps and, and uh, don't, sometimes the journey, you need other people on it and you need, you need to push and sometimes you need to punch and sometimes you just need a hug, but mm -hmm. you, you cannot, nothing is not fixable. In life some things are going to be more challenging than others but nothing's not fixable if you if you put the effort in mm -hmm. that's an extraordinary lesson and i'm grateful that you chose to share that with us today and just all the different things that you've been through in your life have just been extraordinary and so fascinating to me and i was wondering if you could tell us about one of the happiest times in your life maybe you've already discussed it but if there's something else that maybe you're like wow i was extremely happy at that time obviously obviously the, my marrying my wife and my two kids and uh, i think i've said all that stuff but i think one area i've left out is is the incredible friendships that i've been able to uh develop over the years i for me i don't need a lot of friendships to me it's, it gets too complicated i don't i don't i don't need 30 people's problems because i got my <laughs> own but uh you know there's a lot of great families out there and like your family is one of some of my closest friends and, and, and you guys are all dear to me and my family and i think along the way those are very important um important steps in people's lives to, to have awesome people around you that you can surround yourself with and know at a drop of a hat that you can pick up a phone and call those people and and, and that makes me very happy. I think that makes me whole. Mm -hmm. You know, I know where I'm at with my family, but the totality of everything is, you, you, again, you don't get through life on your own and yeah. you need to rely on other people and, and, uh, and love them too. So That's so awesome. And before we wrap up and move into the final four questions I ask everyone, is there anything else you would like to say to all of the listeners? I think I've said enough. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I'll move into the first question. And that one is what is some of the best advice you've received and from whom? Who, what's the best advice? I, I think I won't be specific as to who, because I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a given that it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I know this is going to be very cliche. It does not matter how many times you get knocked down. What did you learn? And how hard are you going to come back and get on your feet and fight through whatever it is? Don't ever, ever, ever give up on whatever it is that you want. Um, but it is, you can get knocked down a, a thousand times, but you get better get up the thousandth and first time and, 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 and believe in yourself. You will get through whatever. You got to believe in yourself though. Mm hmm Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. The next question is, what is some of the worst advice you've received? 
Hmm. <laughs> Get a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I like that answer a lot. That's a good one. Worst advice. Don't get a credit limit increase. <laughs> awesome. Right. That's kind no, of a, no, that's okay. a good one. That's a good life piece of advice, everyone. Remember that. Don't get a credit card. All right. The next question is what advice would you give your younger self? Or if you can't think of it like that, someone in the younger generation? Be patient. Be patient. You're not going to get what you want overnight. Good things, a lot of, lot of things take good time and effort and uh, setbacks. Um, you know, like I said earlier, there's peaks and valleys. And when, you're, when, when you hit the peaks, celebrate it. And when you start going down, hitting the, hitting the valleys, you got your work cut out for you, but do not stop the work. You know, and don't, tr don't rely on anybody else. It is you. You have, to, you have to face whatever it is that you have to do. And, and, and it's your story, your journey, and your, your roadmap to wherever it is that you want to go. But do not, do not give up. It, it, is, it is tough. Life is tough. But uh, again, nothing is given. Everything is earned. And you'll have a better appreciation for it, a, a way better appreciation for it. And quit being, don't be hateful. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent piece of advice. I love that one. I'm actually going to write some of that down and put it on a sticky note on my wall because it's such an important message to hear. And the last question that I like to end every interview on to leave us in a really awesome state is what are you grateful for today? The life that I have. I've got a good life and uh, um, I'm grateful for, for my family I don't think you can ever be more grateful than with all the pressures and pushes and pulls and nudges. And, you know, that after all this time, we're, you know, you're still together with your family and uh, you've made, you've made a home. Uh, it's not just a house, it's a home. Mm -hmm. And I know my kids know that they come to a loving home every time they come in, even when they're getting in trouble, you know, you know, they have to know that, you know, it's, that's what we're not your buddy. I'm not my kid's buddy. Maybe when they're 45, I'll be their buddy. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, you're, you're my kids. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm appreciative of my wife. She works very hard. Um, she's had to put up with a lot of things, um, especially in this career. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I've probably put her on a lot of emotional uh, ups and downs. And uh, yeah, for that, those things, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the people I have in my life. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being so open and talking about the challenges in your career and in your life, but also some of the really great and happy moments in your life. I appreciate it so much. Um, and we're going to end it there. So thank you.